So Dan, you look a little different today, back to your normal self. A little bit. Yeah, last week you looked an awful lot like Ben. Really? Yes, and sounded like him too. Oh, well, that's a step up for everybody. I think your sickness must have had a very <laughs> odd effect upon you. <laughs> How much of this was explained in the previous episode? Well, I mean, in the previous episode, we discussed, because you haven't seen it yet, because it goes mm -hmm. up actually next week. Yeah, I know nothing um, about you were, it. You were quite delirious, and you were confused by me calling you Dan, because you, I think, thought you were Ben. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. That happens. Yeah, but I kept you on the, the, you know, the straight path there. I made sure you knew you were Dan. I <laughs> consistently called you Dan. That's good. You're a good uh -huh. friend. Yeah. And so, and, and now you've recovered. Yeah, now I am not feeling as ill, mm -hmm. not quite as Benish as I was yes. last week, apparently, in my fugue state. I mean, you got so disoriented that you thought that raiding the cupboards upstairs counted as a food heist. Oh, really? Right. It was just, oh, it, it was obviously that's, just That's a, embarrassing. Yeah. There was no heisting involved. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just came down with a bag of it and said, I food heisted you. <laughs> now I that mean, I'm feeling better, do you yes. want a real food heist? I would love a real food heist. Okay. I, I've been food heist starved in your delusional in, state. In, yeah. Mm -hmm. While I was off elsewhere. This is a food heist that has been sent to us several dozen times wow. over the last week. Nice. I've been getting notes about it. Mm -hmm. My wife, Adam, everyone has been fielding yep. the same food. So, you know, the downside is that all our listeners know about this already, but I don't think you do. And this I don't. one's a good one. Okay. This happened on Valentine's Day. Wow. But in England, I don't know if they have Valentine's Day. I mean, in they England. don't they don't have holidays in England. I mean, <laughs> they have some other like, very British version of you know, Valentine's Day. You know, in Korea, they celebrate Valentine's Day, but there's kind of a bit of a reversal to it. Valentine's Day is only men giving gifts to women, and there okay. is another holiday that is women giving gifts to men. Oh, well, that's About fun. a month later. Uh, it's called White Day. I've heard of White Day. Yes, and so it's like you get two Valentine's Day, one when you ask out as a guy who you're interested in, and one where, you know, a mm. woman who's interested in someone asks out them. Okay, so. well, they did sort of kind of celebrate Valentine's Day in Germany, so I wouldn't mm. be surprised if most places have, you know, every restaurant wants an excuse to guilt you into going there and buying someone expensive food. Anyway, let's talk about this food heist. Somebody, it refers to him as a self-employed ground worker. Okay. And I don't know if that means like freelance gardener I don't know what that means. Freelance gardener, ground worker. Ground worker. Yeah, maybe like a freelance geologist is what I'm going to assume. <laughs> freelance geologist. Yes, freelance It might rogue be that geologist. ground worker is the British way of saying like someone who works on the field at a factory or an airport or something, maybe. It's possible. It doesn't sound silly enough to be no, a UK I, I term for something. Yeah. Freelance geologist. Yes. So anyway, yes. a freelance geologist named Joby. Rogue freelance geologist. Rogue, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He has gone. What do you go rogue from if you're freelance in the first place? If you're a geologist, I mean, you were probably a physicist. And then you just, you're just like, this doesn't make sense anymore. I'm going to do something like that I can, you know. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of. I'm sick of quantum of mechanics. Pure math. Yes. I want applied sciences now. And then you start hitting people with rocks. Really yeah. applied well, geology. What, what this guy did is he uh, took like an angle grinder. Okay. And he sneaked in and cut open a gate. Okay. And took a, is it a tractor? 
I really hope it's truffles because then my geology jokes are just going to go no go so much. Better. Okay, yes, a tractor unit okay. that was hooked up to a truck mm-hmm. that was filled with two hundred thousand Cadbury cream eggs. Oh wow! Oh man! And here I was preparing the, he actually took care of their coffee because he's a groundskeeper, but this is even oh, better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not not that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cadbury yeah. cream eggs. How Cadbury British can you get? eggs. Right? $48,000 worth of Cadbury eggs. <laughs> and it's this really interesting combination of, like, he clearly knew what he was doing. Uh-huh. This was planned. This was malice of forethought. Uh-huh. But at the same time, he had no actual plan of what to do once he had him because the police just followed him <laughs> and eventually pulled him over. And so, like, the cops are speculating that maybe he was working for somebody that was going to fence these eggs no, for I, him. No, I know what it is. I know okay. what it is. What is it? So his father is in food heist prison. Oh, and okay. has been missing Cadbury cream eggs mm-hmm. for the holidays. And he thought, well, I know how to get there with a Cadbury cream egg. I've got to steal some. So they throw me in food heist prison. Mm-hmm. And if there's $48,000 worth, they won't account they're for all of them. They're going to miss a couple. They're, they're going to miss a couple. And he's going to get in there. And, and they don't necessarily do a cavity search. Yes, for Cadbury just cream Just for eggs. Cadbury eggs. Yeah. I mean, and so... It just it, it's it's a yeah. really heartwarming tale when you think about mm-hmm. it that he needs to get into food heist prison, and he needed to you know that's, steal that's food. Such a wonderful third act twist. Yeah, yeah. Is, I it mean, was actually it's the Xanatos gambit. Yeah. I was caught on purpose so I could get into prison, and I'm taking eggs into somewhere rather than out of. Somewhere. I mean, this is obviously the greatest genius in food heist prison Clearly. right now. Well, thought the system, and it totally Forget tracks your alcohol. Underwater people, <laughs> forget your wine. This is this is this the real is mastermind. the guy who is playing every angle. Yes, and we all walked right into his trap. And he has a heart because he's there for his father. He's there for his yeah. dad. His dad. I believe this. This his theory dad holds up. Stole scotch eggs back in the day. <laughs> back in the yeah, day. Back in the day when that's what people ate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Back you know when the boomer generation. Yeah had British Easter, yes. they would have scotch, scotch eggs, eggs that they would have yeah. to find in the lawn mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah. or yeah. the garden, yeah, whatever you call it. The cops did specifically say that none of the eggs had been touched or destroyed. They're still good and can go right back onto the shelf, which tracks with what you're saying yeah. about how I mean, the groundskeeper does not ruin people's eggs. The groundskeeper. No. no. I mean, Yeah. He's too good for that. He knows how to take care of premium coffee and provide it for people. <laughs> the groundskeeper is not going to ruin the eggs. Mm-hmm. Or if he is a freelance geologist, he yeah. has those really nice little like paleontology hammers to work around the eggs without damaging them. Why would you need... <laughs> Are you imagining that they keep the cream eggs like encased in concrete? And oh, he has yeah. to etch out every one of them. Isn't that, that how you transport Cadbury eggs? That's is their... in giant blocks of terracotta. <laughs> that's their. That's their uh, they, they taste better if they've been aged in shale. Yes. yes. <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why this is weird. <laughs> oh, wow, this this episode's already already going real differently from last week's episode. I'll oh, tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I was there clearly, but yes, I don't remember. Yes. You, you were sick. You were sick. You were you were unlike yourself. 
you were a little less willing to put up with my shenanigans. And <laughs> <laughs> the groundskeeper is now. We got to remember this guy because okay. this is an important player. Well, and the great thing mm-hmm. about him is that we know we're going to see him again. Yeah. Because there's no way that Food Heist Prison can hold this man. Yeah, well, you know, he may be even playing 5D chess because, you know, he's in there to give his dad an egg. But maybe that's not his whole reason of getting into Food Heist Prison. Things. Yeah. There maybe that's what he wants us to Valuable intel inside yeah. of Food Heist Prison. Have you ever played? Of course not. You don't play video games that are good. <laughs> Batman Arkham Asylum? No. Batman Arkham Asylum, the the sequel is Batman Arkham City, where all of the villains Mm -hmm. get out, and you get to capture all of the Batman villains, and he has the best rogues gallery. So it's a really good video game because it's like, you know, set piece after set piece Mm -hmm. dedicated to these. This might be, he needs to get all the food heisters out of food heist prison for some. Unleash them on the world. Unleash them upon the world so that he can get, you know... (laughs) A Fabergé egg, keep the egg theme. Maybe mm-hmm. there, maybe there's a secret ancient Egyptian egg in the center that he just really wants to taste, and that's what they made the Fabergé eggs. I, Fabergé eggs aren't Egyptian, but you know. No, but like, did the Egyptians have Scotch eggs that have somehow been preserved over time? Only from those tricky Scots who went back in time, brought uh, some with them, okay. and left them. You know. I suppose we could consider a sarcophagus to be basically a Cadbury cream egg, right? (laughs) Big, huge container with some kind of runny goop inside of it. Dan, Dan, Dan. They try hard to get the runny goop out. That's the whole thing about mummies. Okay, but the big black sarcophagus that they found... Uh-huh. A suspiciously close time before like COVID hit and the whole world fell apart. Uh-huh. When they opened that up against the advice of every like shaman in the area, mm-hmm. they found liquid inside. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, and I think also bones, but yeah, there was there was fluid in the sarcophagus. Wow. This is not where I expected this conversation to go. This pen <laughs> is not working real well. Sometimes these pens are odd. I don't know why. That's why there's 20 yeah, on the table. Yeah. See, look at the difference between... It's it's still got ink, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, so whoever gets pen. the really light signature, mm-hmm. don't feel bad. Yep. Yours was shown on camera yep. on our yep. show. So I'm going to give this one to give away to somebody. There we go. These get sent to people. Don't throw away a Someone pen, gets Brandon. A special one. Well, I had a bad story idea, but I think I'll save it for next week because we might have hit our quota <laughs> already. <laughs> With this very good story this idea? Very good story idea. Yes, yes, yes. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Once again, on the cutting edge of <laughs> the algorithm. Mm-hmm. It's only, what, four years old now? I think, I think season three. One? Three years old? It, w- it yeah. was a COVID show, so okay. 2020. Yep. So I have finally completed season one of Ted Lasso. Everybody in the room has seen season two. Yeah. Me. We're not going to talk about season two. Yeah. We're not going to talk about season two. We are going to talk about season one. We are going to discuss spoilers. So we do a non-spoiler discussion and then a spoiler discussion. So yeah, that those people do non-spoiler. Will... So what... Non-spoilery. You can spoil things in the first episode, you know, first couple episodes, like basic premise and stuff like that. And then what did you think of Ted Lasso season one? I loved it. Mm. Wow. We're going to agree. I loved it too. It was very good. Uh Uh-huh. It is. That's not a hot take, as I understand. No, it's not. Uh, It is kind of universally beloved, I think. I was joking with them before you got here that 
Ted Lasso season one is so good-hearted and uplifting. It's about good people being nice to each other and everyone kind of catches the bug. It's about a couple of good people. Yeah. And who turn everyone else good over time. Yes. So I was saying that, you know, despite the very kind of R-rated language in it, which normally I don't let my kids watch, Mm -hmm. the older teenagers were like, no, you need to watch this show. It is going to make you happy. It's going to restore your faith in humans as a species. Mm. So, yeah. I went into it blind. Okay. I'm not sure how I managed this because it was the talk of the town for a while, but I had no idea what it was. I had assumed Ted Lasso was a name, Mm -hmm. and that was the extent of it. I did not know it was a sports show. Okay. I didn't know it was based on a character from some shorts earlier. From an old, from like an old commercial. Yeah, yeah, commercial or I don't know if it was commercials, was it? I haven't it was looked at them. Was commercials, it? yeah. Okay. I can't remember yeah. if they, I assume they were commercials for either football or soccer. Yeah, because if you look, but, there's like yeah. three groups. So this is showing on Apple TV. It was produced by Warner Brothers. They're one of the production companies. And then it thanks like NBC football, you know, for the characters or something like that, or it Mm -hmm. credits them. So regardless, I had no idea. Completely blind, which was delightful. Granted, this isn't a show that, how should we say, has anything to hide about that. It's not a show that depends on plot or surprise or twist. Episode one, five minutes in, I'm like, oh, I think I know what this is. Ten minutes in, I'm like, oh, yes. And I can outline Mm -hmm. the beats of all of season one. Yeah. And in the spoiler section, we'll talk about where I was right and where I was wrong mm-hmm. and how they were smart for both the things they did differently from what I expected and the things that they yeah. did that I did expect. The only significant twist, I think, is in episode one. And it's the, like you said, we're going to go ahead and spoil the premise yes. for you, mm-hmm. the episode one premise. The basic gist is that Ted Lasso is like... If Mr. Rogers was a Kansas City football coach, and Ned gets, Flanders, Ned Flanders Ned is Flanders. also an excellent. It, you, yeah, you mash Ned Flanders. Like I, mm-hmm. when I didn't know he's a character, an existing character. So after I watched the first episode, I went looked at Emily. I said, "You think they said Ned Flanders like by name in the pitch?" And just said, <laughs> "Ned Flanders has to go coach football in the Premier League in the UK." Yeah, they may have. Or is that just? danced around because it really feels like Ned mm-hmm. Flanders, but the early Ned Flanders, before he actually got Flanderized. Before he Flanderized. Which yeah. is one of the genius things of this show is there is no Flanderization going on. Characters, as you would hope, if you know what Flanderization is, Flanderization is where a character that is initially somewhat complex, mm-hmm. usually in a comedy, gets known for one or two comedic beats. And then the writers, therefore, lean into those because they're funny. Mm -hmm. And over time, those comedic attributes overshadow any depth that they had. Yeah, they become a caricature of themselves. Yes, even in a comedic show. Ted Lasso is the opposite. A lot of great media, this should be the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. That your initial impression is correct, but the more you get to know the character, the more depth they have rather than the less depth. And that's what they did. And that's what mm-hmm. this show really needed. I watched the first episode and I thought, I'm going to really enjoy this show. It's going to be popcorny. It's going to be lighthearted. And that's absolutely why people love it and why I will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It went the extra mile. Yeah, It has depth. 
and just enough characterization and just enough deviating from the formula to therefore be a rank above the this is fun and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, it still goes pretty much where you would expect. Yes. But it's the character work that really does it. Mm -hmm. Now, I said that there was the one kind of twist at the end of the first episode is when you find out Rebecca is actually set him up to fail on purpose. And that's not really surprising. I mean, I said to my wife, this is what it is Mm -hmm. at the 10 minute mark. Yeah. Right. It's great conflict, but it's not meant necessarily. It is meant to be a surprise, but in the structure of the show, it makes it pretty obvious because mm-hmm. the big question mark is why would anyone why hire on, this why guy? Why on earth is he there? Because and it he, turns out, yeah. yeah, he's been brought over to fail on purpose. He yeah. is like the groundskeeper. Oh, the freelance geologist. Yeah, freelance Failing geologist. Uh, yeah, Except yeah. he failed on purpose on his own, and yes. Ted was set up to fail by somebody else. That's true. That's true. So what else? What, what else non-spoilery can we say about? That? We can say it has a. Let's see. Okay, that's um, all we can say non That's all we can say non-spoilery? Let's, let's talk spoilers. Okay, so, so sorry, we're going to spoil a three-year-old show that everyone's already seen. Except for me, which yeah. there we go. See, this isn't making bad decisions for the algorithm. This is giving everyone plenty of time to experience something yeah. so that we can then talk to more we of our audience. We were going to do this yes. like a couple years ago. Right, right, right. Decided to wait. Yeah, we, we put off even Out of starting respect for them. Yeah. This show for a few months, our show, so that, you know, yeah. we would have plenty of time to talk about other things before Ted Lasso season one. All right, spoilers. Exactly. Okay, so into spoiler territory yeah. now. So I... Have no structure in mind for this, but okay. I will say my favorite scene mm-hmm. in the whole season. Most of the time, when people talk about the show, they will talk about the dart throwing scene, which uh-huh. is good. Is yes, good. absolutely. But for me, the moment when I fell in love with the show and realized it was great rather mm-hmm. than just good is when he has a panic attack. I called it in my head. I'm like, Dan's gonna love the mm-hmm. panic attack. He has a ah. full-blown panic attack, and the person who comes to help him is Rebecca, yep. who has been a villain all season and is now starting to come around. Yep. That sold me so hard. It was such a good thing. In some iterations of this show, mm-hmm. Ted would have just been the superhero who comes to town and has no flaws, except for maybe being a little naive. And then in so doing, he saves everyone's lives, everything gets better, mm-hmm. and then rides off into the sunset. Yeah. And that is not the show that they mm-hmm. promised us by the middle early episodes. And this is the delivery on that promise. Ted cracking, Ted yelling at Nate, Ted having a panic attack, all of these things are the kind of fulfillment of that promise that there is a lot more depth here. Yeah. Well, and I like how a lot of that panic attack is caused by, that's the episode where he finalizes his divorce. Mm -hmm. I really like how they made his endlessly chipper Ned Flanders-ness. Yes. That's what caused the divorce. Yes. Like, yes, he helps everyone around him, but also you can absolutely understand how his wife was just sick to death of his endlessly upbeat attitude. Yeah. A different person might have, you know, 
gone along with him just fine mm-hmm. and that marriage would have worked. That particular marriage fell apart because his superpower is also a flaw. So where the show really leveled up in more detail for mm-hmm. me is this is a good sort of standby plot for this type of show. This is, as I often say, this is the same plot of Stormlight Archive, of Wave Kings. This is the same plot of Ender's Gate. This is the underdog sports story. Mm -hmm. A little more obvious in this case because it's literally a sports team. Because Ted is so dangerously on the line of being a cartoon character in the lives of a bunch of, you know, quote unquote normal people. Mm -hmm. And because they also, this is a comedy, right? And it is walking that line between comedic farce and comedy, right? Like, I love The Good Place. It's a great show. Mm -hmm. It's over the line into farce, right? You kind of have to accept that sometimes they will go for the joke at the expense of anything else, and that's okay Mm -hmm. for that type of show. Not as far as, like, you know, The Simpsons Will or Family Guy, which is, like, way over, but... This stays on the other side of the line, but just barely with kind of the wisecracks that other people make and things like that. And they knew that they were walking that line. So what they do is they dial down the sitcominess a bunch. And this is the genius move. This is where mm-hmm. any of the beats I got wrong, I'd still mostly got them right. But what didn't happen is, for instance, he yells at Nate. If you haven't watched the show and you're still watching this, Nate is the good-natured towel boy, essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, who proves that he has an eye for coaching early on. And Ted Lasso and Coach Beard are the first people who, it seems like in his entire life, recognize that he's a human being. And they will treat everyone like a human being well. But then Ted notices that he actually has a good eye for coaching and starts to build him up as a junior coach. Mm -hmm. Ted asks for his opinion at one point. And then in this time where things are going really poorly for Ted, Nate comes to him with his ideas. Finally, he's going to share what he thinks. Mm -hmm. And Ted just flips out at him. Go away. I can't handle this. You know, and in a standard sitcom plot, That takes 30 minutes to resolve. It's the setup of, I don't dare share with people. Oh no, this guy said he'd share and then I can't even trust him. And then there's uncomfortable, wacky hijinks between them for 30 minutes until they come to a kind of saccharine conclusion. Mm -hmm. Instead in this, it's basically the next scene. Ted goes to Nate and says, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I was having a bad day. That was awful of me. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. And instead of going the sitcom route, they're just like, let's inject a dose of realism into this. This is how real people, mature yeah. people handle their mistakes. And it's actually those moments more than the Spanish attack, which I agree is one of the best scenes in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's those moments consistently through the season that ground it and make it not a cartoon. Yeah. And that's kind of the real genius I think Ab- of Ted absolutely, Lasso. and and it's not just that those kind of scenes avoid the sitcom route. Yes, they also avoid the kind of modern long form route where that yes. would have been dragged out over episodes, yes. right? And you know there are some things that are worth spending a season arc on or a multi episode arc on, mm-hmm. and there are some things that are just like no, these are human beings. Yes. Let's treat them like real people, 
he's the kind of person who would apologize, so we're going to have him apologize in right. the very next scene. Well, and it kind of comes to its grand conclusion in the last couple episodes, where in a lot of shows, you have the sort of hitch moment. I love Hitch the movie, but hitch moment where it's like the friend or in that movie the love interest finds out you've been hiding a secret from them and it becomes yeah. a big third act problem mm -hmm. because of mistaken understandings and things and it's oh it's wacky and i legitimately love hitch it's a great movie <laughs> but it doesn't have this dose of realism and when rebecca is forced to come clean instead of it being that sort of drawn out third act conflict it is real people having to admit to their crummy actions in order to clear their conscience. Yeah. And it's just handled so excellently. Those are the things I love in this show mm -hmm. because it lets me enjoy Ted as not a cartoon, but as a character. This is how he acts. And I'll be perfectly honest. I empathize a lot with Ted. Okay. I, I yeah. do not use the... Hello, neighbor, whatever. You know, I don't, I don't have the affectations. Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of me in him. I don't tend to have the. How should I put this? I don't want to be like, oh, Brandon is. That's kind of who I am. I am yeah. the kind of relentlessly optimistic guy who goes about his life and just enjoys his life, enjoys his job, enjoys mm -hmm. his family. And does things and just doesn't tend to have big drama mm -hmm. in his life. Drama happens around him. And so I'm watching the show and being like, that's a kind of two steps more extreme version of me. And I don't see that character in shows very often. Yeah. And if I do, it's Ned Flanders who is just unbearable. Except in small doses, right? Well, and I wonder how much of that is the British influence into it. Yeah. Because as I was watching, I kept thinking, you know, I kept thinking of the Great British Bake Off, uh -huh. which is the reality show, which is a competition. They are all competing with each other, but they are relentlessly kind. Mm -hmm. And the show does not have or manufacture drama the way yes. any given... U.S. reality show would. It just allows them to be nice and we get to watch nice people being nice for a while. And so I don't know if that's a distinctly British take on the drama. I don't know. That is interesting. But I don't know. But I don't know. So if you're Ted Lasso, I'm clearly the Nate in this situation, right? I'm, I don't know. I'm the little guy that you're like, oh, you know, he's doing his best, but I'm going to bring him in under my wing. and I mean, I'm going to make him the Nate VP of narrative. Proves himself to be extremely witty and acerbic, which you can do when you want to turn it on. I don't know if you're innate. <laughs> I'm not innate. I, I really don't think you're innate. I'm not a beard is, either. You're not, not really a beard. Now, maybe you don't have an analog. It's okay to not yeah. have an analog in this show. But even when Ted Lasso's doing this, I'm like, I've been there. 2007, I got called on the phone to do something that was way outside of my league mm -hmm. when I got asked to do the Wheel of Time as a brand new person. And though there were some people in my corner, I had a whole lot of people who were like, who is this yo-yo that's been put in charge of the biggest fantasy series in the world? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've been there, Ted. Oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't have people working against me. 
internally. But oh man, if man. Harriet had like secretly yeah. been out to get you for yeah. some reason. But anyway, I connected with that show. character on a level that I think is going to be rare among its audience. How about that? Could be. Yeah. I think I we would all like to think of ourselves as Ted. Yes. You know, he's very aspirational mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of modern TV is not. Yeah. But that's awesome. So we talked in the beginning about how he kind of lifts everybody up. Yes. The show presents you with many villains of many different yes. kinds. But it does present us with a second Ted Lasso also. And Kaylee, is that her name? Keely. Keely. Mm -hmm. Who is good-hearted, being good, and kind of uplifting everyone around her in the same way. Yeah. Just she is not as overtly, because Ted is so Ted, you don't quite notice it at the first, but she's basically doing the same thing. She is, yeah. and she doesn't have the authority that right. he has. Mm -hmm. And... Obviously, I think that there's a gender thing going on as well. Yes. People just don't take Keeley seriously. No, they don't. In the way that they are kind of obligated to take Ted seriously. Well, and they tried, again, I was expecting lighthearted fluff. The show mm -hmm. is really good at visuals, at pacing, and at plotting. I can point out a couple of those to you. It works hard in the first few episodes to make us underestimate Keeley. Mm -hmm. by the visuals that shows, the poster and things like that that's in the locker room. Yeah. It does a lot of things like this. Like it's made by people who understand that, for instance, this is just a little thing, but it kind of shows they make sure to have, what's his name? The family guy who's- Oh yeah, Rebecca's assistant. Rebecca's assistant. I can't assistant. remember his name. They make sure to have him sing kind of poorly in order to contrast when Rebecca sings in the scene, you know, where they do karaoke, this is the same scene with the panic attack. Yeah. Whoever wrote that episode really knows how to, you want to set the scene by saying, okay, she can sing, but only when she's being herself. Mm -hmm. She doesn't sing when she's being the yeah. person that she's become. She sings when she's being herself. We've got the foreshadowing. We then set up for her singing by having someone sing poorly right before. So we have this normal person singing voice in our head. Mm -hmm. She steps up to sing and she sings really well, beautifully as contrast. That's the real her. And that's the her that goes and helps Ted, mm -hmm. right? Like these beats yeah. are really subtle things that really good plotting does. Most people I don't think would look at Ted Lasso and be like, this is masterful plotting. But it really is because of these little things. It is mm -hmm. using a very standard plot yeah. of the underdog sports story, and it's hitting most of those beats very well. It skips a few for timing reasons because this is mostly about characters. Mm -hmm. But it hits those beats really well, and it does something super genius with the last episode is yeah. that – this is only the first act of the underdog sports story. Yeah. And you don't realize that. And they, <laughs> they did the fake out at the end. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I'm used to, I'm like, well, this is how it probably has to end. They probably have to win and avoid relegation because I am used to network television needing to play it safe mm -hmm. because they don't know how many seasons they have. Yeah. And they need their first season to be a home run in order to earn their seasons. Yeah. But the absolute right thing to do for that narrative is to have them fail season one because then you are in the first third to half of mm -hmm. your underdog sports story arc. You are in the now willing to listen to you, but they're not any good yet arc. Yeah. They are in the, yes, Bridge Four will listen to Kaladin, but they still 
you know, are going to fail and things like that. And if you hit that beat as your ending, you still got two major, probably three arcs that you can do Mm -hmm. with the underdog sports story. And it gives you three to four seasons that you can tell this story in. And the fact that Apple let them do that, it (laughs) makes the show work so much better. Yeah. And one of the reasons I think that that works, or at least one of the reasons that they sold the studio on it, is you do get the victory of kind of Rebecca coming around. Yep. You get that whole villain redemption arc. He has won over the team. And so they lose the game, but it is an emotional and character victory while it is not necessarily a plot victory. I actually talked to my class last night about the difference between kind of the plot you put on the back of your book Mm -hmm. and the actual plot of your story. Yeah. The plot you put on the back of Ted Lasso is, this is a story about a group of misfit footballers who learn to work together and win the championship, right? Mm -hmm. What the actual plot is, this is the character dynamics and relationships between all of these characters as they work to earn winning. And one of the ways to do a really good twist in a story is to, through the course of it, make us want something that's different from what you've promised them. And then you give them the thing they want instead of the thing you've promised. And it works Mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. Well, and specifically that choice, ending the first season with they lose, but they're all nice people now. Yes. Sets the tone for Mm -hmm. everything that is going to come. Yeah. And it lets you know this is our mission statement. This is the kind of show we are. Yeah. Early on in like episode two, Ted Lasso says, I don't care about winning. Mm -hmm. I just care about us being better people and everyone makes fun of him for it and then at the end they have all come around and agreed that yes that is the win condition for us yes yep though it is nice that there was that moment where beard's like i care about winning this (laughs) Mm -hmm. is the difference between us yeah and a lot of people care whether we win or lose ted it is relevant it's not you know maybe becoming better people is more important But that doesn't mean winning isn't important. Yeah. That was a very good scene. It was good. And Mm -hmm. I think it really lets them have it both ways. Yeah. Because it is kind of the statement that will be answered at the end. Mm -hmm. It is the theme of their season. Mm -hmm. But it does set up that longer multi-season arc of, well, winning is still important. We'll see how this goes. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what you think of season two. I won't say anything about it. That's uh, good. Season three comes out like in a couple of weeks. Yes. So so I will talk about what I'm interested in season two, which is, you know, how they get two of their stars to still participate in season two, potentially <laughs> three of their stars, because we have gruff former Captain Dude. Roy Kent. Roy Kent, who is also one of the writers on the show, I he believe. Yeah. So he can be written out because like... The writer is still involved at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I can imagine that a writer wouldn't mind writing themselves out as much because they're still involved in the thing. But he's got to be a fan favorite. He right? absolutely is. Uh, and yeah. so you can't really write him out. And I would be sad if he were written out. But, you know, what's his new role? Because you just had a new coach get mm-hmm. elevated. How many coaches do you need? You don't need that many coaches. And so what do you do with him? How do you keep him still in the organization? How do you pull a thing like, you know, Keeley breaks up with Jamie Tart, Jamie, and then they're like, but we'll hire you to work for us. They've already basically done that twice. So, and then of course, Jamie, 
how do you get Jamie into mm-hmm. the next season? Because he's the one that got away. And, you know, at the end of the season, they made sure to give us that moment of humanization mm-hmm. where they're setting up kind of Ted as the good father figure versus the actual father as the bad father figure. And so that's a promise yeah. that is going to be fulfilled that I see that they're going to have to figure out how to do something with that in season two. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's Jamie messes up so much that no one will take him <laughs> or whether it's whatever it is. I pointed out to my wife that old grizzled captain. Roy. Roy. Announcer is a job, you know, he can take the shack role. That's a place that a lot of former players end up in. Mm-hmm. My expectation is that he just kind of stays on the team. I don't think that they should bring him back into prominence. He's old enough, and this is, you know, being realistic enough show that he shouldn't, like, get a second wind and pull a Tom Brady and like then have— be on the field again? Not just be on the field again, but be great again. Like, it's okay if he's on the field, but kind of old. But <laughs> anyway, that was question one for me. And then what do you do for a villain for season two? Because Rebecca can no longer be the villain, mm-hmm. and you do need that— conflict you need an emotional conflict as well as the kind of physical conflict of can we can we get out of relegation yep and so i mean her ex-husband buying one of the teams that they're playing against in relegation or something i kind of thought in season one where they would go is that we would find out that secretly he wants the team to fail too because her running the team poorly is a victory to him that she can't do it mm. and he could. And so I thought that was a way to kind of have their cake and eat it too, where she comes around and wants them to win, but it still sticks it to him. And they didn't go that direction, which is totally fine. It worked, but there might still be something there. You know, he makes such a great villain. I can't imagine they're going to leave him behind for season two. And, you know, now that she's no longer a villain, you need to bring in Emperor Palpatine now that Darth Vader has become <laughs> a good guy. So. That's yeah. where my kind of thoughts in mind are going. I'll know better after episode one. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. I am curious. I don't want to yeah. ask any specific questions because yes. I don't want to lead anything. Yes. What I want to say is mm-hmm. this, because you know, yeah. you're about to go in and watch season two. Yes. Having not seen any of it. Yes. Why don't you give me the pitch? You're the showrunner of okay. Ted Lasso season two. How would you do it? Well, the middle act of the underdog sports story. The Mm -hmm. first act is you got to get him to listen to the leader. Mm -hmm. That's act one. Act two is, wow, we're still really bad. You know, we're not good yet, which is why it's good that they lost, right? We need to overcome each individual handicap holding us back. And so I would zoom in on each of the players and be like, this is what's holding this one back. This is what's holding this one back. This is what's holding this one back. Kind of expand to a little bit more of the team in doing that and show them working through those things so that they can get back to the Premier League. Because by the end, like evil businessman has bought Manchester United and, you know, now they have a rival team or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. you you need some big thing. I'd I'd have to think about what more that could be because that's not enough for season two. There's got to be some big problem for season two. And I'd have to think about what's that going to be. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know how relegation work. That's another thing. I don't know a lot Mm -hmm. about football. Do they have to leave their cool stadium and get 
crappier equipment and things like that. Are they having money troubles? Are they going to worry about having to keep some of their players? Like they made the foreshadowing in this one that's like teams get broken apart. Is the mm-hmm. fight get the team back together or keep the team together sort of thing. So I'd have to research more about how it actually works. And that will lead me to what is our big conflict? Because you've got a problem going into season two. And that is that getting relegated, we kind of know that they're good enough to play in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. They got a point on Manchester United. And so how do you present these weaker teams as a legitimate threat to them rather than we're just going to stomp all over them? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would definitely show season two with them being relegated. I wouldn't skip it and be like, and now we, you know, uh-huh. but that is yeah. an option you could do. It's like, like just yeah. time jump ahead, time jump ahead. But cool. I would really have to think about it because I think it needs something. I think it needs some big problem, a time bomb of some sort, like Rebecca was a time bomb on when's Ted going to find this out. And mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I'd have to give it some thought. Yeah. Okay. These are the sort of things that takes a writing group and some brainstorming sessions and some <laughs> real work on the story to break. Well, I am very excited to talk season two mm-hmm. with you at some point in the future. Excellent. But how's, how's that been? How's that been? How's that been? How's that been? Hey, Ben, how was that? <laughs>